Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by AMS Media. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and welcome to the first ever episode of Arsenal Gold. It's a brand new series where I'll be taking you through some of the most famous nights in Arsenal's history. Um, I, I, I say the most famous nights. Maybe these nights have sentimental value to me. Maybe they're more important to me than to others. Uh, But the reason I've chosen these ones is because they're nights that I don't necessarily feel get the coverage that they deserve. Now, we look at Anfield 89. That's been done to death, and so I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm going to look at games that perhaps haven't had um, the coverage that they should have, but games that mean absolutely the world to me, and there are plenty as an Arsenal fan. So during this period of quarantine, uh, whilst we're waiting to hear what is going to happen with the football season, I thought I'd try and provide some sort of distraction to all the distress. You know, lots of people have sadly lost their lives. People are getting sick, getting ill uh, from this horrible virus that has gripped not only this nation uh, but much of Europe as well and and the rest of the world so it's you know I can't sit here and pretend um, that we can ignore what's going on out there of course we can't it's a really really serious issue but my hope is that with this series we'll be able to take your mind off it a little bit and then of course we'll be bringing back some of those player review shows that we've done in the last couple of weeks as well hopefully we've got some interviews coming for you as well with some people of interest um, so Fingers crossed we can help you get through this very, very difficult period. Now, the game that we are going to be focusing on on this edition is Arsenal versus Barcelona. The game took place in February 2011 at the Emirates Stadium. Arsenal, of course, I'm sure you know the result. I won't say it till the end, but I'm sure you know uh, what the result was. Barcelona, top team in the world at that time. When they came to the Emirates Stadium, they put out a lineup of incredible stars and when you look through their team let's let's have a look at it before we look at our own it was Victor Valdez in goal um, a back four of Danny Alves PK Maxwell and Eric Abidal Abidal of course slotting in at centre back with Maxwell playing at left back that night uh, Xavi Iniesta Busquets arguably the greatest midfield combination that I've seen in my lifetime anyway and let's put the bias aside you know yes we had Vieira Gilberto you know we had Vieira Petit we had some great combinations in the middle of the park but these two or these three I should say were without doubt the world's best for quite a long time and and helped Barcelona reach incredible heights uh, played excellent football in the process and Xavi and Iniesta in particular two of the most technically gifted uh, footballers that we've probably ever seen in our in our lives and it's certainly in this generation so for me Uh, That was well worth a shout. And then, of course, the front three. And does it get much better than David Villa, peak David Villa, Lionel Messi and Pedro, of course, who now plays his football at Chelsea. When you looked at their bench that day, they had some quality there as well. Uh, Bojan, who was a young prospect at the time, looked really, really exciting, came to the Premier League. It didn't quite work out for him, but he was on the bench, as was Javier Mascherano um, and Milito, uh, the central defender as well. So plenty of experience um, and plenty of quality on Barcelona's bench. Now let's look at the Arsenal team that night. And when I look at it, just glancing at it quickly, there's not a single player um, there that still plays for the club. Wojciech Szczesny was the goalkeeper centre-back pairing that night of Laurent Koscielny and Johan Juru. Clichy at left-back, Ebue at right-back, uh, Fabregas 
uh, was in the middle of the park alongside Jack Wilshire and Alex Song. Uh, and then a front three for Arsenal. Sami Nasri on the left, Theo Walker on the right and Robin Van, per- Van Persie sorry, uh, leading the line through the middle. Arsenal's substitutes bench that day was Manuel Almunia, Sebastian Skilacci, Kieran Gibbs, Thomas Rosicki, Denilson, Arshevin and Nicholas the King Bentner, of course. So that was Arsenal's team. And we went into this game having been knocked out by Barcelona in the season before um, in the UEFA Champions League. They played us off the park, um, you know, over the two legs. And we went into this game really with not much hope. And I say that because Barcelona were in incredible, irresistible form. They actually went on to win the Champions League in 2011 when they demolished Manchester United in the final. It was the Lionel Messi show. I'm sure most of you remember that. It was an incredible final. And that highlighted how strong Barcelona were at the time. Now, Of course, Barcelona did progress from the tie. Barcelona did beat us over the course of two legs and did get through. But for me, this game was a a real um, incredible one and one that will live long in my memories for sure. I'll never forget it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And the celebrations, the scenes when Arsenal turned it around were truly incredible. Um, I've given it a little bit away now, but I'm sure you know the result anyway. Um, otherwise I wouldn't be talking about it. Um, That night in particular for me was a strange night because I remember on a personal note, parking the car on Hornsey Road, walking down towards the stadium um, and going into a a place to to get some food. And I was with my dad and one of his friends and some other mates as well. And we came out of this uh, little restaurant on Hornsey Road and somebody literally bumped into me um, and he looked a bit, I, I don't want to say this in a horrible way, but he looked a bit like he was on something to be honest he looked like he was out of it um and he bumped into me and he went sorry mate sorry mate and then he literally ran off ran off sprinted off and I couldn't understand why until I took about 10 more paces down the road and I realized that my wallet had gone now my wallet was in my pocket um and it seems that this guy took my wallet because I couldn't find it after I've never found it since um so I was really really pissed off and then it dawned on me that my season ticket was in there now my immediate thought was how am I going to get in the stadium so I literally said to my dad and and my mates and and everybody I was with actually guys you lot carry on walking I'm going to run down to the stadium because I need to get my ticket to get into the ground now bear in mind my wallet's gone I've got no ID I've got nothing to prove who I am and I had to get to the box office and get a replacement ticket and of course for those of you who've picked up tickets from the box office before a game you'll know it's not the ideal thing I like to be my seat early I like to be watching the players warm up and so to get there and have to queue up for such a long time and all the time I'm looking at my watch checking how long have I got till kickoff and I literally got in there just as the teams were coming out and I was so so relieved and I think that's why this game is extra special for me because I felt like it the experience was almost going to be taken away and I got to enjoy it and so I was really really thankful for that now of course the season before in the summer um, or the summer before I should say Spain won the World Cup and all that Cesc Fabregas stuff started, didn't it? Cesc wants out. Um, you know, there was talk about him leaving for Barcelona. There was the whole incident, um, you know, with him having the shirt pulled over him, etc., etc. And there was a real feeling that it was going to be Cesc's last year and it proved to be his last season uh, with Arsenal, if I'm not mistaken. And he's now done a recent interview with Arscast. If you haven't checked it out, please do, where he's quite open about the fact that his last season at Arsenal 
he had already made it clear that he wanted to leave the club and he, he's spoken about that at length. So do check that out. Um, and there were banners in, in the Barcelona section, come home, Sesc, please, Sesc. And you you just got the feeling that it was the inevitable and it was going to happen at some point. Sesc Fabregas was going to return to Barcelona. And I think that affected him in this tie because I, I watched the game back in full ahead of doing this podcast and I thought that Whilst he played okay, he wasn't at his brilliant best and he made one really telling contribution later on in the game, which we'll come on to. But for me, it wasn't Sesk's best. It wasn't the top level Sesk that we'd been used to as Arsenal fans. And I think that was true of a lot of his final season at the Emirates. I think we saw games where I don't want to say he looked disinterested because that would be questioning his professionalism, but he certainly didn't look like he was happy. And this was one of those games for me, um, having watched it back. Another player I want to talk about is Laurent Koscielny. Um, That was his third Champions League game ever. And he was uh, really sharp on the front foot. Still a bit raw at that time. Uh, But you could see his... uh, What's the word? You could see his enthusiasm and his ability to to read the game and get in front of people. Just that split second... um, you know, that speed of thought and a nick in front of people and win possession back. And he made him really, really difficult to play against. And he had a pretty good game that night. Um, Barcelona took the lead through David Villa in the first half. And it was, it was a strange goal because many people had thought, you know, Arsenal were going to sit there and, and park the bus and just try and absorb pressure and attack on the counter. But that wasn't the case. And Arsene Wenger knew, you know, to his credit, he knew what his team uh, were capable of. He knew what his team were all about. And whilst Barcelona did have long periods of possession and they did eventually cut us open in the first half when they slotted David Villa through, Gael Clichy played him on side. There was a bit of miscommunication in the back four there. Um, and Villa went through and put it under Chesney's legs and, and, and Barcelona took the lead. But to Arsenal's credit, they never sat back and just allowed Barcelona to, you know, squeeze them into their own half. There was always a conscious effort from Arsenal to push the team up the pitch and to try and get out and be able to offer something themselves on the on the attack. And not many teams do that against Barcelona. And, and where, yes, at times it was his downfall, Arsene Wenger, in my view, having watched it back now with a calm head, deserves credit for the way he took on Barcelona. Because when you look at that team on paper, the Xavi's, the Iniesta's, and I'm not saying Wilshire or, or, or Song weren't good players, but they weren't on the level uh, of the players that Barcelona had. And so to still have that confidence to go toe-to-toe with them and persist and stick at it was, was brilliant for me. Alex Song somehow... Um, didn't get sent off in that game, despite getting booked in the first half and making a whole host of fouls after that. You know, every time he went near a Barcelona player, it was heart in your your mouth stuff because we all feared the worst. We all feared that Alex Song was going to get sent walking and that would be a real, real blow, Um, not only for the second leg, but for the remainder of that game because he was so important in that midfield at that time, offering some sort of screen um, to you know, to the back four. And also, Alex Song was capable of picking out a pass or two um, back in those days. So it would have been a real blow. And he was obviously trying to be a little bit discreet in, in some of the fouls he was making. But with that bleach blonde hair that he had on that particular night, there was no way he was going to escape the referee's attentions. Second half started. Um, in the second half, Arsenal... Um, made a substitution around about 68 minutes. And it was a positive start to that half from the Gunners. They sort of created a few half chances, started to have more of the ball in Barcelona's territory. And the the fans were up for it. The crowd were right behind the team. 
And it was a real positive beginning to that half without actually threatening them, you know, to the point where they'd have been really concerned. You know, there were a few speculative efforts from outside the box, from tight angles, etc. Um, and on 68 minutes, Alex Song was finally substituted. And, and many of us in the stadium at that time, we looked around and we thought, we've got to go for this now. And, and it makes sense because Alex Song, had he stayed on the pitch any longer, he would have no doubt uh, been sent for an early bath. So on came Andre Arshavin, uh, Samir Nasri tucked into the midfield um, uh, alongside Wilshire and Fabregas. And Andre Arshavin went out on the left uh, to replace him out there. And, you know, Andre Arshavin obviously went on to have a huge impact in this game. But up until that point, he didn't have any impact whatsoever. In fact, I can't even remember him touching the ball. I don't think he touched the ball more than a handful of times between the 68th minute when he came on and the game ending. Um, but out of nowhere, um, after Nicholas Bentner's introduction, another substitute, he came on for Theo Walcott on 76 minutes. Robin Van Persie um, was played a pass um, in, in into the sort of channel. And... He almost, I think it was Gail Clichy that played the pass with his right foot into the channel. And, and Van Persie gets it. It's the most impossible of angles. And Nicholas Bentner's making a bursting run into the penalty area. And you're thinking to yourself, Robin, put it across the box. You, you back Bentner's physical presence to be able to use his frame and his body to somehow get in front of the defender there. But Van Persie was such a classy player and such an intelligent footballer and a confident footballer. And he had the audacity, despite having missed... A load of shots earlier on in the game. Again, not particularly great chances. There was one good chance in the first half uh, where he forced a save out of Valdez from close range. But other than that, it was almost... Robin Van Persie was limited to speculative efforts from outside the penalty area. So to have the audacity to do what he did next was incredible. And he literally glanced up, saw Valdez almost in a bit of a strange position, kind of expecting the cross, setting himself for the cross, turning side on towards the ball. And Van Persie just smashed it in the near post. Beating Valdez all ends up and he sent the Emirates into absolute pandemonium. Everybody went wild. We were back in the game, 1-1. The pendulum had swung. There was hope. There was belief. There was uh, people standing on their chairs singing. The crowd were chanting. And that was a real, real... Um, important moment for Arsenal and, and as fans we absolutely loved it and we really really got behind our team at that point and then came of course uh, the winner um, you know people talked about Sami Nasri in the lead up to that game not being fit and it being a risk that he was selected um, but once Fabregas received the ball and he turned and he opened up the, the Barcelona midfield, well, he bypassed the midfield, opened up the defence with a fantastic pass down the right-hand side. There was Sami Nasri on the 83rd minute, bursting forward with all his might, um, despite you know not being 100% fit. And we can talk about what happened afterwards with Nasri, but forget that for now, because we're talking about this game in isolation. He absolutely done brilliantly to burst down that right-hand side and have the presence of mind not just to panic and throw the ball into the box, but to check back, to look up, to take that time. And it was almost as though it happened in slow motion. And he looks back and, you know, I was in the North Bank there in block six and um, he pulled the ball back towards the edge of the box. And you're thinking, what have you done? There's a couple of players in the penalty area. What have you done? You, you, you've pulled this back. And there, out of nowhere, 
having not had any impact in this game up until this point whatsoever was Andre Arshavin. And he literally opens up his foot and he doesn't put an incredible amount of power on this finish. He just guides it right where it needs to go, past Victor Valdez and into the back of the net. And he sent the Emirates into... I don't even know how to describe that. That, for me, to this day, is the greatest moment I've experienced at the Emirates Stadium in terms of one particular goal, one particular moment. The Welbeck won against Leicester's up there as well, but this, for me, was just on another level. This was Barcelona. This was the best team in the world. And we had come from behind and were on the verge of beating them you know, despite having to surrender possession for long periods of time, despite um, them missing some opportunities of their own, Wojciech Szczesny having to make saves. And it was just so strange that it was Arshavin and he, he was just almost a passenger and, and non-existent in the game up until that point. And he just arrived and had such an incredible impact and it was such a composed and technical finish. And you know, it was the way the pass come back and, and you don't, you didn't expect him to be there because obviously he was playing on the left, but he drifts inside and, and my word, what a celebration. And you just remember him pulling his shirt over his head and running into the corner alongside Nicholas Bentner and everybody going absolutely nuts. And I remember a uh, shout out to Dan, who, who was next to me, of course, uh, a good friend who, who sits next to me at the Emirates. We must have ended up three four rows maybe further down than we were than our seats were um by the time we finished celebrating that goal and if I hadn't lost my wallet in the build-up to that game I definitely would have lost it after that um and I remember because of what happened before the game and because I thought I might not be able to get in and I was really stressed out about it it added an extra um moment for me in this celebration and I almost just stood there and looked up and thought thank fuck I didn't miss that and it was just an incredible night and you know, some other players that, that deserve some shout-outs for that game. I've spoken about uh, Lauren Koscielny, Van Persie, of course, incredible um, initiative there to, to think outside the box and to beat Victor Valdez, when in truth, up until that point, yeah, we had some territory, um, you know, we had some possession, but we didn't really create many clear-cut chances. So to pull that out of his arse almost and out of nothing and make such an important um, impact and change the, the direction of the game was incredible. Um, Jack Wilshire was sensational. Probably the best half of football that Jack Wilshire ever played in an Arsenal shirt was that second half performance. To be playing alongside, um, you know, Iniesta, Xavi, Busquets, and to look not at all out of place at his age was was truly incredible. And I think when you watch that game back, it, it makes you a little bit sad because you realise how much potential Jack Wilshire had and how sad it is that he couldn't live up to it for, for injuries, you know, for injury reasons or for fitness reasons. And the more and more I watch that game and the more I see the highlights, it's just, it upsets me that he couldn't go on to be the player that he certainly had the ability to be. His body just couldn't cope with it and his body still can't cope with it, unfortunately. But, I mean, at the end of the game, um, there was a, a little bit of a scramble inside our penalty box. Barcelona were trying desperately to get a second away goal. 
and kill the the Emirates buzz. And uh, Arshavin, incidentally, was the one that made an error. He tried to head the ball back to the keeper, if I'm not mistaken, and it almost got intercepted and we got ourselves in a bit of a mess. But the final whistle went and Arsenal had beaten Barcelona. And and like I said, this is still one of my favourite Arsenal games of all time. Not because it was a 2-1 win, but because it was against the best team in the world by a country mile at the time. Um, Having gone behind, we managed to turn it around. And it's a game that for me, I remember really, really clearly. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And I could sit here and talk to you about games that... um, are big in Arsenal's history. I mentioned Anfield 89 at the beginning. I wasn't born in 89. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend I can do it justice because I think that should be left to those that did experience it. And so I'm going to be focusing mainly and not solely because we will be touching on some of the older games as well. But I'm going to be focusing mainly on games that I can tell you how I viewed them from my eyes and, and my experience of the game as well. Cause I, I enjoy doing that and I hope that you guys will enjoy it too. Um, strange feeling um at the time an incredible feeling and i remember after the game um you know people talking about sesc fabregas and and i wasn't you know that bothered about it you know he wasn't his greatest game i didn't really read much into it but having heard what we've heard since and having watched it back uh, just over the weekend i think you could see Cesc Fabregas visibly wasn't happy. I think you could see um, at the end of the game when everybody else was hugging and celebrating, there wasn't that much of that from Cesc. And he was the captain. He should have been the one leading it, but he didn't. He was very... not. I don't want to say that he wasn't interested, but he was very reserved in his celebration. Was it because he knew that he'd be joining Barcelona? Was it because he was already in the process of pushing that move through that he didn't want to upset anybody there. I don't know. You know, there's lots of speculation about that and we will never know. Um, You know, only Sesk knows that, but it didn't for me put a downer on that game. You know, it reminded me of as much as they disappointed us in the end, how important the likes of Sammy Nasri and Robin Van Persie were to the team at the time. And even with a defense of a young raw Lauren Koscielny, um, and Johan Juru, who isn't held in particularly high regard by most Arsenal fans, that, you know, anything was possible. If you had the right spirit, if the crowd were behind you, and the crowd most certainly were on that night. And we've missed that in recent years. Yes, we haven't played in the Champions League for a while. That magic of playing against the likes of Barcelona, Real Madrid, hasn't been recreated for for a long period of time. Um, And we hope to get back to that as soon as possible. But... Yeah, that that was the game for me that, you know, uh, uh, it was was the first one that came to my mind when I decided I was going to do this series and look back at some of those games. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on the night, your memories of the night. Leave them in the comments section below um, or or tweet us at Chronicles underscore AFC. Um, And we'll be back with another one of these episodes very, very soon. I hope you've enjoyed it. Arsenal 2, Barcelona 1, February 2011. One of my favourite games in memory as an Arsenal supporter and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I have making it don't forget to subscribe like share leave us a review uh, and we'll be back very very soon with more so until then take care ciao